Welcome back to the Forever Broken Podcast, where we dive into the world of mental health and ask big questions like, if the sky's really blue, what color is the air? And other big such questions like, uh, am I actually okay today? Uh, we, I am, as always, Derek Thompson, and with me, as always, is Gabriel Brew. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And we have a very, very special guest tonight in Nick Wingo, who I will let introduce himself. He is the man, the myth, the legend, and he has the greatest beard I've ever seen in my life. He's a fantastic <laughs> beard, dude. I appreciate the compliment. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on the podcast, man. Super honored to be here. My name's Nick Wingo, as uh, as they said, and, and as Derek said here, and I spent 20 years in the fire service. Um, I, I jumped in the fire service when I was 18 years young. I went, went straight from high school, went to get my firefighter one, and uh, there there I was, uh, straight into the fire service. I I went in early, um, you know, it was, I, I really didn't know where I wanted to go necessarily when I got out of high school. And so um, I was originally going to join the military and I um, was unable to because of some, because of my asthma actually. And so I, I didn't know really what to do with myself. And my mom brought up the fact that I had always talked about the possibility of being a firefighter. And so I, I went to get the certifications and uh, I got hired on as a resident um, so early in my life. And I remember vividly jumping into the fire service at 18 years old and being so excited. You know, I was I was going to jump into the the job that everybody looked at as a hero. And, you know, the women wanted to be with you and the men wanted to be you. I mean, it was like the it was the job to be. You know what I mean? Like being a firefighter is honorable. It's awesome. It's this great, amazing thing. Right. That's what everybody sees. And that's what everybody tells you. And, you know, you think firefighter. Oh, man, those guys are cool. You know, those, those are the those are the people that those are the people that really have it going on. And I, I quickly realized like what it really truly meant to be a firefighter. And, and so many people don't really understand what it really truly means to, to do the job. Um, and, and I remember being on the engine, I was a month in, you know, 18 years old and we go on this call and it was this, uh, this young kid um, that, that had passed away. And I remember um, going in there and just being like, man, I don't, I didn't know that this is what I signed up for. I didn't realize that I had signed up for this. And, I remember jumping in the engine afterwards and um, the officer at the time was like, man, <clears throat> that sucked. And I was like, yeah, that did suck. Um, and he goes, well, kid, you better get used to it because this is what you signed up for. And this is this is what you're going to be dealing with for the rest of your career. And I remember thinking to myself, like, really, this is this is what I signed up for. I, I had I had no clue. Like nobody told me about this part. And the next, you know, the next 20 years of my life, I spent um, dealing with death and destruction and, um, you know, I lost 10 friends, five to suicide and five of the line of duty deaths. Um, you know, I just, I dealt with so many things that I had no clue that I was getting myself into. Um, and so now my, my goal is, is to get out and, and give people the tools that they need to get through their career and, and, and tell people like, it's okay to not be okay. And, and to break all this bullshit stigmas that are that have been brought up throughout the years, because, you know, I came into this at a time where it was like, um, you know, don't be a pussy. Don't be this like that's you know, you're, you're just a pussy if you if you can't like if you can't if you can't handle it, you're just not fit for duty. You can't do the job. Man, and that's just so that's just not true. It's just not true. It's just a lie. And so now I'm just on a mission to show people like, number one, help people understand that firefighters are suffering. Right. 
Um, because a lot of people don't know. Like you tell people you're right. you're a firefighter and they think, oh, like, oh, you fight fires. No, dipshit. I'm 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 there for 911. Like, <laughs> you know, when people call 911, that you get firefighters and people don't realize that or understand that or recognize that. And so it's so important for people like me to get out and like say, man, this is a this is a job that causes mental health issues. It's a big major problem, right? So that's what I'm trying to do is just spread spread the word and and save people's lives. You know, I lost five friends to suicide. You know, I, I want to make sure that I'm self like legitimately saving those that those that save our lives. Who's gonna save them, right? Unless people right. like me stand up and say like, enough is enough. Right. So that's exactly. Who I am and and what I'm doing. So in a short short yeah. as short as I can bring it down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you said there about wanting to change the bullshit stigma around it. That's exactly what we've been saying for God, the last, you know, 12 episodes now is that we want to change the stigma surrounding mental health and PTSD, especially because that's where we come from, you know, with the, you know, I I was military, but I was also in the fire service for the last uh, 10 years until, you know, injury happened and kind of changed my direction in life and kind of like you, um, you know, I had hit my bandwidth on, uh, mental trauma and what I could take and what I had foreseen. And, you know, you don't see that you don't understand everything that comes with that job. I had a pretty good idea going into it. What, what, what it was just because my dad was a firefighter for, you know, forever, you know, since, early as I remembered, I, I mean, he was, he had a job before that too, uh, working for Caterpillar, but you know, for all my memorable life, he was a firefighter and, you know, I kind of got to see how that does affect people. And another thing you had said was that people don't realize that we do EMS mm-hmm. and, you know, that was a huge surprise for me. I was like, Cause we ran city fire and EMS and I was like, everyone's like, Oh, so like you guys do like medical stuff too. And I was like, yeah, who the hell do you think did it? That's, that's all you we know, do. Like, that's like the majority like, of what we do. <laughs> yeah. Like 90% of what we do is, yeah. you know, actual EMS and 911 calls like that. If all I could do is fire, God, I'd be a lot happier in my job. Man, yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah, like I love doing fires. Fires were awesome. Like there wasn't yeah. a whole lot of trauma there unless we had someone stuck in the building or, you know, something like that. But, you know, going in and just getting a fight fire was fun. Yeah, absolutely. But it's that the EMS side of that. Yeah, it was my favorite part of the job too, you know. Loved it, you know. And it was like the EMS just kind of came along with, what I love doing and I loved uh, helping people mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. But at the same time, like, like, like you said, you know, it causes a lot of trauma. It really yeah. does. And no one in their right mind is going to sign up to see the things that we saw. No, no, you don't want to see that. You don't want to deal with the amount of death that we deal with. I mean, you know, it's like the smells, the sounds, the, the visuals, you know, I can't drive by, I, you know, I, I live close to the city that I, that I worked in 
And even to this day, I drive by intersections, I drive by certain places and I just, you know, the visuals that just pop up and that stuff just arises. And I, I, you know, it's something that I'll just, at this point in my life, I think, you know, I don't don't think it ever really truly fully goes away. I mean, those triggers are just there. Now you can identify those triggers and you can find ways to maneuver through those triggers and you can, you know, create tools that you can use but at the end of the day like those things are still there like they just they're permanent they're permanently there yeah they don't go away and i think me and gabe can both attribute to that i know for me you know i'm still always learning new stuff about myself and i think that's something we all do in life is we learn as we go and you know i know some of my triggers i know gabe knows his triggers but at least on my behalf i you know i can't control them all I can control is how I react to them. Oh man, I love that. Uh, that's something that I actually wrote, uh, you know, wrote about in the book I wrote. And it's that the when you realize how little control you have, like that's such an enlightening moment because you you realize like not only do I not have control, like I have control over so little, it's insane. Like you tell me something, a thought pops in my mind. Did I control that thought? No, just showed up, right? And so we don't, we don't control those. We just, we just, we control the actions that we take from them. Yeah. And this is a great time actually to plug your book here. I've actually got it sitting right here in front of me. And if you guys couldn't see it behind me, it's a building grip. Um, And it's how to fight fires of PTSD and come out stronger on the other side. Um, That's by Nick here. And let me tell you guys, I just got this book Wednesday and I work, you know, an eight to five job right now. Uh, I have plowed through all but about 10 pages of this book, and it's just incredibly uh, written. And I love a lot of the things that Nick says in it. And uh, I just, I can't recommend you guys read this enough. I really can't. It has just been absolutely life-changing for me to read. Um, I've read a lot of books that kind of try to help uh, but this one really hit home for me in a lot of different aspects. So I recommend anyone out there, not just firefighters, pick up the book. Uh, I've got Nick's link to his website pulled up right now, actually. Uh, NickWingo.com or BuildingGrit.com, I think, is the other either one. Either right? way. Yeah, NickWingo.com. Yeah, either way, it pulls it up. I grabbed up, I grabbed up both, you know, trying to. Trying to grab up both. Uh, I had no. I, actually, it's funny that you bring that up. I just I didn't know that nickwingo.com was available, so I saw it and I was like, oh, <laughs> I get it, right? It's my name. I gotta yeah. gotta capture it up before somebody else does. Yeah, right. hell yeah. Uh, so if you're watching on Bullhorn here, uh, you can actually just click the screen here, and it'll take you to his link, uh, and he talks about that. He also has a podcast that I don't. It looks like you haven't done for a little while. But uh, you do yeah, have a I, lot of uh, episodes on there that people can listen to. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been on my healing journey right now, and so uh, actually, if, I, I'll tell you a little bit about how the book, how the book came about. If, if you'd like, this is a good time to kind of talk about how it came. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I, I actually um, on September twentieth of uh, twenty, I, I was taken offline. Um, I, I had told my partner I was having nightmares. And uh, he told the captain and the captain came in and said, hey, dude, I think it's time for you to take a night off. I said, sweet, I take a night off. Like, you guys want to give me a night off? Perfect. I can use a break. I was working at our busiest house at the time, uh, state, our station one 
on the medic unit. Um, and we, we would just get just hammered. Um, and so, you know, most nights I'd get two hours of sleep and even the nights that, you know, every once in a while you have a night where you didn't get a call, but you're so, I'm mean, having nightmares. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having all these things happening and, and you're at the station. You just don't sleep. I didn't sleep at all. Um, and it was wearing on me. And the last year I was there, I mean, we had, a, it was, you know, during the whole COVID stuff. And so we just had people, the mental health crisis that came out of that was insane. Um, it was crazy. I mean, there was two different times where people tried to stab me. Uh, you know, we had teenage suicides. We were dealing with um, domestic violence, murders, um, you know, just all kinds of just rough stuff. Uh, some of the worst uh, suicide attempts I saw in my career. And so um, I got pulled offline and then my dad passed away right after I got pulled offline uh, about um, just a month later. Uh, and you know, when that happened, I realized like how messed up I was and how many things I had going on. And so I, um, I, I continued to try to push through, but I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it on my own. And so I, I went and I got checked into treatment at the center of excellence in Maryland. Best thing I did for myself was like, say like, Hey, I'm, I'm not okay. I can't do this on my own. I need somebody else's help because I was suffering some suicidal ideations. Um, and I knew, like, I knew I didn't want to do what my friends had done. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to commit suicide. I knew that was not an option for me because I, I wanted to be there for my kids. I wanted to be there for my wife. I just didn't want to give up. And so I went and when I was in treatment, um, there was a guy that came to me and uh, he's, he, he kept on coming to me. He's like, man, you really you're really getting this stuff. And I, I can't like I'm not getting it. I'm not understanding it. You know, can you help me? And I, so I spent a lot of time trying to help him look at things differently, um, to see things differently. Um, and you know, I just could, I could never get through to him. And when I went to leave, I wrote a passage. It's actually in the book. It's called, who am I? And it's the question I asked myself, like, who am I truly? Right. Am I this? Am I that? Am I a dad? Am I a firefighter? No, who am I? Right. And what I come to is that I just am. And so when I got back, um, shortly after I got back, that guy that had come to me, he, uh, I got a call that he had committed suicide. And I was like, fuck man, damn dude. Like this I mean, I just can't even wrap my head around this, right? Like, this is crazy. And so I just decided, I'm like, I can't sit around and not do anything. Like, I have to do something. I have to um, show these these people that, these firefighters, men and women both, that, like, this job sucks, but suicide's not the answer. Like, there's other things you can do, right? And so I, I, I decided to write the book. And, and the book is just, um, they just birthed from that, that need to want to help people, right? I mean, so much so that I even put my phone number in the back of the book because I, I like, I give a shit. I really care. Right? I genuinely care about people and I, I just want to help. I want to help in the best, the best way I can. Which is just incredible. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I, re I actually, uh, I had read the, passage you were just talking about today and i thought damn this guy's a pretty prolific uh poetry writer too god damn man like <laughs> i was impressed and then you said yeah i wrote this was at the uh, coe and i was like geez that is deep man like that that hit home and i loved it because i sat there and i thought you know that's kind of one of the things that helped me a lot was i kind of just sat there and i was like you know what like i just am like i'm just i'm here you know and that's the best thing I can do, like, is be here in the now. And, you know, I'm still working my way through it like we all do, but I'm, I'm going to figure it out eventually, you know? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. 
with that being said, um, I'm the I'm the uh, guy that I like to push off that you can't hold everything in. You have to let it out. You have to tell friends about it. You have to tell family about it. You you have to you have to get it out. Anybody that will listen, you need to get it out so you're not letting that pressure build up, those anxieties build up, and all that other stuff just really get to you to a point where it's hard to come back from. So I've never I've never been the one that shares everything with people because I don't think that they can all relate to like where I'm at with it. But I've been somebody that would share what I felt was necessary to share for me and for them. What's your stance on that? Yeah, man, this is interesting. This is a conversation I've had with a lot of people because it comes up often, right? Because people like especially those that are in the fire service or military, really anybody who's suffered post-traumatic stress. So if you suffer post-traumatic stress in your life, um, one of the things, especially in the service, I want to make this really specific to service members because a lot of people will take it and be like, oh, post-traumatic stress can be so many people, right? Everybody can have it. I want to I want to talk just to service members who have seen things that are really fucked up, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, one of the things that we want to do is we want to protect our friends and family, right? We want to protect them. We want to keep them safe because uh, the reality is, is that um, you can actually cause somebody trauma by sharing what you're speaking. And let, let me tell you why I know that, because if you look at dispatchers, they suffer from post-traumatic stress and all they do is just hear what is happening in the background, right? And so that's a real thing and it's a real valid concern. And so I, I, I ran into people who tell me, well, I can't share because I'm going to cause them trauma. Okay, I get it. I get where you're coming from. I hear what you're saying. But here's what you can do, and this is what I think you should do, is there's a thing called sanitized statements. And sanitized statements allow you to share um, what you're going through. So let's, you know, prime example would be um, a sanitized statement would be like, because one of the things I was worried about is that I would come home to my wife and I would share something with her and pass trauma under her. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to hurt her. But what I should have done and I didn't do is I should have came home and I said, I should have said, look, I've had a bad day at work. I had to deal with a dead kid, right? And that's all I need to say to her. And she's not going to she's not going to want the details. She's not going to ask me. She's going to go, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. How is that making you feel? You know, is there anything I can do for you? Is there any way I can help you, right?" So I never even opened up the door for her to help me or or to be there for me. I never gave her the opportunity to show up. And so I think it's so important because we want to we want to hold things in and we want to do it on our own. But if we can do those things, we can give those sanitized statements, we can allow those people to help us and we can allow people to uh, to give to us and we can receive. It's so important. So important. So that's where I kind of stand on it now, knowing right. I didn't do it like that before. Right. Like I, but I did it wrong. I did it completely wrong. <laughs> I think all three of us here have done that wrong in the past. And with the with our past failings, we've learned to do it the way that works for us. Mm-hmm. So like, kind of like what you guys are talking about in the beginning, no, nobody's going to react to the same trauma, the same. Everybody has their own reaction to the same traumas. Everybody's going to have their own way of dealing with it. And I believe that that comes in the healing process as well. It doesn't really, there's no, 
there's no pill that we can give out. There's no genetic form of instructions that we can start passing out to be like, this is how you get over this. This is how you get over here. And it's going to, it's in a, in a 10 step process. It's never going to be that way. It might take me 10 steps and it might take Nick four steps and it might take Derek 27 steps. Nobody knows. And except for that person and, and how, how they work through it and when they feel good and the weight of that situation off of them after they've worked through it. And I think that's where we've all grown from the trauma that we all suffered from is that we took the time to step back after we've been through it. And after we made those mistakes, we're like, Hey, this is where I went wrong. Now, how can I do it the right way? Or how can I do it the way that works for me? And so like where me and you share this, the same ideals on that is is that we can share certain things but you don't need to share everything and i like how you say it's a sanitized statement like it's you're giving them you're giving them you're giving them a product but you've cleaned it up before you give it to them so that way you're not giving them more than they can bear you know what i mean right and i really i really like that that you phrased it that way so i'm gonna start using that yeah, I think everyone sure. thinks like life is rainbows and unicorns when most of the time it's piss in your mead. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just I always get a kick out of it, you know, because we only see what people want us to see. Mm-hmm. So yep. I always just get a kick out of it. And I love that he asked that question just because, you know, I know most people, especially in the fire service and the military and services like that are like, work stays at work home stays at home and i agree to an extent but at the same time it's like yeah but i'm only hurting myself if i'm unwilling to share the things that are hurting me yeah well and and let's just look at the numbers like how many like the divorce rates for um, firefighters for veterans for police officers like let's look at those and then tell me like tell me what you're doing is working Tell me what you're doing. You're you're full of shit. Like I'm gonna call you out. Yep. It's definitely not working because the numbers, the pattern <laughs> showing different. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you're looking at two guys that've been divorced now. So I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I have four divorces. Well, are you dealing with your emotions? Emotions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Where those? What we, the fuck? We clearly, we clearly weren't in the beginning, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think we've all found a way to kind of better at at that um and uh yeah like i feel like and and i want to put it out there too that i've ordered your book as well i'm just waiting to get it oh i appreciate it man and uh, yeah no no worries i'm all about it um but i think that with all of that going on you you in the beginning when you were talking about like you're from 18 you didn't know what you want to do first military and then asthma so you you had to find something that would fill that fill that void and you went with firefighting first call out was a traumatic call out i believe you said it was yeah. one of the first right one of the first early 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 like when, An early on call out yeah. you you lost a young kid uh, a child and then through your career uh, 10 suicides, five line of, well, five suicides, five, five line, line of duty, duty deaths. So you lost 10 friends throughout this whole thing. And um, through all of that, 
your your biggest question is, is what can I do to help all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe talking about uh, your book and stuff with Derek the other day, we uh, fundraising got brought up. Um, uh, and I don't remember and I don't recall if you have a fundraiser currently going on. Um, and if you do, uh, can you share it? And if you don't, where are you we're, at with, with we're, doing we're, that? Yeah, so we actually, um, we launched, a non- I, I launched a nonprofit. I have, uh, it's called Gifting Grit. And so we're just, we're, we're on the, we're just getting it all together. Um, I just got the 501c3 approved by the government. Mm-hmm. And so that, that nonprofit is actually, so one of the things that happened to me is that when I went to go get treatment, so I go and work when comp, I go to get treatment, right? And they deny me, they deny me to go to the center of excellence. And I said, well, fuck you, I'm going. So I went um, and I had to pay for it. I had to pay for my deductible. It was, you know, it was five grand out of pocket. And I, and I thought to myself, like, damn, man, imagine somebody who is, you know, suffering so bad that they're, you know, they're not strong enough to um, to do it on their own. And they finally go, OK, I'm going to go do this thing on my own. And then to hear like, OK, but yeah, it's going to cost you five thousand dollars. Right. To go get treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be devastating to somebody. I mean, you look at the average firefighter salary across the United States, $50,000 a year. So now we're going to take 10% of that person's salary to pay for, um, their mental health treatment that was caused by the job that's paying them. I mean, it just seems so wrong to me. So that's, that, that brings me to another question real quick. Like when, when they did that to you, like, where were you at mentally? What, what oh man dude i was ready to fucking off myself already exactly. like i was i was already ready to off myself now i'm exactly. a resilient motherfucker and so and i'm stubborn like my stubbornness is legitimately <laughs> what helped me get through like legitimately what helped me get through that was the thing that was the thing you know i wasn't gonna quit i just wasn't i wasn't right. and then so but you get put through all that stuff and then you being a hardhead, you find a way to get it done. You find a way to get it covered and paid for, but still in the back of your mind, you're sitting there thinking like, this is the most fucked up thing that I've ever had to like face myself, but it doesn't, it's not just me that has to go through it. Cause if they did it to me, clearly every other firefighter that's going to go through here is going to get turned down as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, what the fuck is the point of this center of excellence? If they're not going to give anybody this fucking excellence. Right. Exactly. exactly. So with that being said, your fundraiser is kind of to help get people to that center. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, I, I'm not specific to that center cause I don't want to be, I don't want to be exclusive to that. So mine is to cover deductibles. Okay. So that for, firefighters for, can get the, the health, the mental health treatment they need. So it's legitimately, I, I'm not tied to one program. I'm not sold on one program center of excellence is what i used right okay at the time it was yeah, the, it was the it was the best fit for me uh, it was the only duly certified mental health uh, crisis crisis center that is uh, specific to firefighters and it was important to me that i went somewhere that was specific to firefighters because i was not going to sit in treatment with some 20 year old kid who had an alcohol or drug problem like you know we're just not the same Right. We're not the same. You can't see the thing, see things the way I see them, right? And so it was important to me that I went went with people who were going through the same things that I was going through. But yeah, so that's what the nonprofit is for: is to cover those deductibles, so those those men and women can get the treatment that they need. And you know, and and there's going to be so many facets that are going to be available over the next ten years that we're going to be able to 
uh, really impact a lot of people's lives with that. So you said you yeah, just got everything approved through the government? Mm -hmm. Yep, we just got the 501c3 approved, and uh, we're now we're, we're getting everything in together, and uh, we're going to be, I mean, here in the next, um, I'm hoping the next month or so will be live with uh, being able to, to take to no, take donations and uh, start working towards paying for uh, paying for our first person to go. Perfect. Well, so that's, that's with all of that information, can you text that or email it back to Derek? And Absolutely. We'll plug, and we'll plug it for on this on this uh, episode so people can get there and donate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll shoot you my phone number. I, I thought it was, it's, I was laughing uh, when you were talking about, you need to be around people like you because uh, I had a similar situation um, here. God, what was it? Two years ago. I don't know. I probably, Gabe probably remembers better than I do uh, when it was. Cause I remember texting them guys about it after it happened. Uh, I, I had a meltdown one night and I was just like bawling, you know, was ready to just call it quits. And, uh, you know, I was like, cool. I took a breather. I was crying. And this is another thing I got to ask you about to explain on here. Cause I thought this was the coolest thing ever that you explained, but I'll get to that after this. Um, but anyway, I, ended up calling my dad and I was like, Hey, I was like, I'm not doing good. I've hit my point. Like I need help. We go to the hospital and, uh, something that I think he talked about in the book too, is that like kind of everything like happens for a reason. We're here for a reason. And I end up getting sent to another town because our local, uh, BHU was full behavioral health unit. Um, so I go to this other town and I'm surrounded and it's, I was laughing cause you said you didn't want to be around a 20 year old kid that was, uh, had an alcohol problem because, uh, the kid I actually ended up getting stuck in a room with was in, uh, because he uh, thought college was too stressful. And I remember uh -huh. just laughing cause I was like, God, man, uh -huh. like things are different, man. Uh -huh. Things get so much worse. And I just remember laughing about it, but it made me feel a little bit better. And it kind of, I was like, yeah, you know what? Like life can be harder and life can be worse, but I got an opportunity to meet so many different people. And in your book, you also talked about um, how pain is pain. Yeah. You know, and my pain isn't any different than your pain. The situations <laughs> are, but pain's pain. So for me to sit there and think my pain's worse than your pain is absolute bullshit because it's not right. Yeah. And, and I just, I connected with that so much when I was reading it and I was just like, God damn, man, shit. Why didn't I think about that? Like I just didn't, yeah. you know, and it's something when I was on the unit, I tried to be conscious of, but mm -hmm. you know, then when I went home, it was like, yeah, piss off. Like I got so much worse than everyone else, you know, like shit, yeah. it could be a lot worse. And I tell everyone else just suck it up, you know, cause I'm like, it can be worse. Well, it's the comparison culture. Right. It's, it's how, like, it's how we are. It's, it's everything around us is comparison. Like if you look at the world right now, um, it's all about what, how do I compare to you? How do I measure up? Um, and it's bullshit. Like it's this whole thing of measuring up to other people and uh, comparing yourself with other people. Like stop doing that. Why are you doing that? Because you were, you were wonderfully and uniquely made you, you are you, and you are here on purpose for a divine purpose for such a time as this. And you need to stop listening to what everybody else is doing. And, you know, like 
it's it's great. It's great to look to people for um, you know. It's good to look towards mentors. It's good to look towards people to try to do things to better yourself. Um, but to compare, like it's just not a good thing, right? And so that's where that that pain is pain comes in is because it's that comparison culture. Like what I'm feeling inside that pain, that destruction. Um, it's the same feeling that you're having. Our circumstances, however, are different to get to that pain, right? And so why I came to that is being a medic, like being the being the medic, being the one that's in charge of the medical calls. I was watching all different medics who, who get burnt out and um, frustrated and, 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 you know, have these, these, these lash outs at patients and just lack of compassion, like complete compassion fatigue. And I, I was curious about it. And so what I what I really identified is, is, man, these people just don't understand that the people that they're helping are just in pain. And that pain is no different than the pain that they're feeling and the frustration that they're feeling towards that person that's having pain. Right. And so that's where, like, in my career, I was really compassionate with people who were having pain because I just looked at them and go, you know what? Like, I get it. You're just you're suffering. You, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You've had a rough, rough go. And so, um, you know, it's important to me. I, I, care, I genuinely care about people like it's still it's still hard for me to be separated from the fire service because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed helping people. I enjoyed pouring into people. I enjoyed helping people get mm-hmm. through shit, right. you know, um, and that was a big way of how I got through my stuff of just looking at things and going, you know what? This guy's just in pain. Right. He's just in pain. That's all that's happening. I think you kind of got yeah, that that's going a great on for way you look now. At. You got that kind of going on for you now with with uh, your five hundred one c threes, your uh, fundraisers, your your book, and and uh, it's a different capacity. It's a lower stress, lower intensity. I'm sure, but the the sentiment is the same. And I think if you approach it with the same way you just said that, you know, like look at it as like a, as like a pain level. You know what I mean? Pain is pain. Um, serving people and helping people is serving people and helping people, whether it's paying it forward, uh, starting a nonprofit or literally giving them the breath from your lungs to try and, and revive them. Helping is helping and no matter the capacity and you can't compare those things across the board because they're very, very different. Thing. For sure. Is that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm identifying that. But, you know, just bringing truth, like bringing truth and vulnerability of like, there's mm-hmm. still a piece of me at times where, you know, you miss that part. You miss that. No, absolutely. Part. Absolutely. Such a, big part of your, such a big part of my life. But I'm with you, dude. I'm I'm ready to help some people now. Like I, I'm all about talking about feelings and stuff, you know? Yeah. So that's <laughs> yeah. what I think. Yeah, that's I where think- we dive in here. So I think that's where we all we all need to accept the role that we're not in our twenties anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all a little bit older. We're growing some gray in our hair and and Did our beard. <laughs> and you, hey, I yeah. wasn't gonna call. I wasn't that's gonna why, call you. That's why I shaved up a little bit, man. <laughs> hey, that's wisdom, man. I'm, yeah. I'm embracing that wisdom. <laughs> yeah, that's wisdom. So I think I think at some point every man has to has to face that that uh and come to terms with you're not a frontline warrior anymore for sure you're you're not um hard charging anymore you are the old salty dog that you said you were never going to turn into you have all the knowledge that you said you were was too much to obtain and now you're that guy and you need to do the right thing with it you know what i mean 
for sure absolutely and so I, I think that's part of i think that's part of a battle that a lot of not just men but people go through is accepting like at that certain time in your life that you need to step out of those active roles and become mentor roles and a supporter of other people going in and doing it you know what i mean for sure absolutely 100%. This works out. I forgot to tell you that this runs for like seven hours. Uh, but uh, anyway, <laughs> we're going to dive into uh, feelings here. Uh, and I, that this works out great because I wanted to ask you about to explain this because this was the coolest thing ever to me. This like the actual science behind crying mm-hmm. because I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. Like I read that and I was just like, oh, oh, there's a reason like. I was with you, man. I was just like, no, men don't cry. Like we don't. And this is, this will dive into men's health too. This isn't just firefighters. This is like men's health, which is another topic for another day. But like, it's something that I care about also is just as much. And I think it is just immensely important. Uh, And it helped me. And it was something that really changed the way I looked at crying. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm still this day. I'm still kind of like, you know, we've got time to cry, you know, like, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's, I mean, so, um, yeah, so crying is, is actually a physical manifestation. Let me start with this. So our feelings, we, they're actually starting to scientifically identify that our sixth sense is our, our intuition, our feelings. Like that's actually a legitimate thing within us. That's alive within us. And so when you have a feeling, uh, anger, sad, I'm mad, you know, um, I mean, I have that feelings wheel. It's got all these feelings on it. You know, it's got a bunch of different feelings. All of those feelings, they actually are physical manifestations in your body. So let me use an example. Anger. Anger, for me, it, it arises in my chest. And so I can feel heaviness in my chest and I can feel heat in my forehead. And I have this sweet little vein that pops out and starts to get a pulse. Okay. Um, and so... What I'm recognizing and noticing is that when I when I actually get mad, I can actually feel the physical manifestation of the feeling before I, I before I notice what the feeling itself is, uh, and so I'm actually getting really in touch with my body and feeling those emotions. Um, and so sadness, sadness, uh, it releases. So when we, when we cry, it actually releases chemicals, it releases hormones that are stored in our body. Like it re- physically releases hormones that are that are stored. And so crying is a great way for your body to release those hormones because they're stored inside of you. And so when you don't allow your body to feel your emotions, those those things will actually like when you stuff things down, you're actually stuffing down uh, hormones and, and, and all this stuff in your body. You're causing all these actual physical feelings to be driven down and cause you problems. Um, and, and so much so, like looking back on my career, I, I, I was in counseling one time and, and the doctor asked me, when you went on vacation, would you get sick every time? And I was like, yeah, every single time I, I would I would go on vacation, I would get sick. And she was like, well, that was that was your trauma. That was your trauma releasing. Right. That was that was my body. I was actually taking the time to slow down. And then I started to feel those things and I would actually get physical illness from it. And I was like, holy shit. 
these things that I stored down were actually causing my body to be sick? And she was like, yeah. I was like, whoa, that's fucking crazy. I had no clue. <laughs> I had no idea. And then I started getting into like stretching and yoga and, and breath work and meditation. And, and I'm, I'm like going, whoa, this is nuts. I'm actually physically healing my body. Like I had, so when I got out of the fire service, I had sleep apnea, um, severe asthma. I had gout. I had all these diseases that were of inflammation, right? And so the trauma was actually causing the inflammation in my body. And as I started to feel those emotions and allow myself to cry and allow myself to be angry and allow myself to actually have those emotions arise out of me, I was able to release it, right? And, and, I, and I don't have sleep apnea. I'm not on CPAP anymore. I don't have gout. It's completely gone. Um, and the asthma is like at minimal now. I mean, it, it is, I used to be on Advair daily and that's all gone. Um, and very rarely I'll have, if I get, you know, encounter some type of, um, you know, pollen or something like that, I might get something, but man, it's, it's like, it's almost all gone. And just from sleeping and allowing my emotions and doing breath work and meditation and yoga and all those things, it's crazy to me. Like it's, I, it's wild. It's I like, you'd have told me this when I was 19 years old, I'd, I'd been like, you're a fucking idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. And now here I'm going, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me the way it works. Yeah, that's, that's, that what I, that, and that's why I'm saying it. It really, it really just hit me. And I was just like, God, just think if like every time I was pissed off or sad or depressed or having these emotions that like, instead of shoving those down like an idiot, if I had just cried and let myself, my body release the emotion, how much better off would I be? You know, and it's like yeah. my mom just texted me. She's watching us right now. And she said, that's why uh, firefighters always die after they retire. And you also brought that up in the book. And yeah. that's something I had also made note of, too. I think I use the exact same time frame that you used where I said, it's like firefighters always die about five years after they retire. Yep. Lack of sleep and inability to feel their emotions. And that's just 100% crazy to me. Yeah, I'm 100% convinced of it. Yeah, me too, man. That's that's exactly what I've always thought. I was like, man, if if these old guys, I mean, like, it's it's easy to be stubborn and it's easy to sit there and come down to being so unempathetic that, you know, you're trying to get yourself to deal with the job because, I mean, you have to. I mean, nobody can sit there and go do what we did and have this connection with every patient you just can't do it it's impossible no for sure so if people would just be more willing to have those connections with at home and be willing to get rid of their emotions and let their emotions actually like manifest and then let them release in a healthy way how much better off would we all be oh man it would change it would change it would change everything it would change everything absolutely and i don't mean to keep referencing your book it's just a really good uh no, timeline. Uh, it's all good man I'm, because I'm, it, I'm it works great there. because it, it just brought it it brought up a lot of questions and it was answering things that i i was like man god those were that's a great point like that stuff but like i've been trying to answer for myself but uh i kept thinking like oh hey like i know somebody this would connect with 
mm-hmm. you know, maybe they don't, maybe they don't want to buy the book or whatever. So, uh, another one of the things that you brought up was, uh, judgment mm-hmm. and being able to forgive. Yeah. And I think those oh, two cool. kind of go hand in hand as judgment and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Judgment, you know, judgment's an interesting thing. Um, and, and recently something that's been arising in me and that I've, I've been uh, getting more curious about and learning about myself is uh, judgment is something that just, man, it pulled, like, here's the thing about judgment that I find interesting is that if I, if I see something in you, um, like I, like I say, I look at Gabe and I see something that Gabe's doing and I think, man, this guy's an asshole because he's doing this one thing. What I realize is that the reason that I'm so pissed off and I judge Gabe is guess what? That, that thing that Gabe is doing is alive and well inside of me. Right. And so um, all things that we identify good and bad, when we see those things in other people, it's because they're alive and well in you and you, and you, and they're familiar. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you judge something, I, I got news for you. It's because you have that inside of you. And so you've got to take that judgment and look at yourself internally. Right. Um, it's important. It's important. And then when it comes to forgiveness, like forgiveness is not for the other person that you're forgiving. That is for you. Like that person, they do not give a shit if you forgive them or not. Like they're not losing sleep over you not forgiving them. Like you, when you're sitting there and, and willowing and, and ah, anger and I'm so pissed off at this person. And I guarantee you that person that you're angry about is not thinking about you. They are thinking about whatever they're doing. Like they do not give a shit about you. Right. Um, like for example, my, uh, my wife was, was molested by my father-in-law and I had a lot of fucking anger at him. I hated him. I hated all the things that he did to her. Right. Um, but when I was in treatment, I realized like, damn, all this anger and resentment and bitterness, that is all just bringing me down. Right. And so I wrote a letter to him and I burnt it and I let it go. And I just realized like, it's for me. It's so I can just move on with my life. Right. And so just let things go, let them go. Cause they're, they're not serving you. I promise you they're not. Yeah. They ain't doing anything for you. Right. Just making you feel like shit. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, it really connected with me. I mean, that's something that I, you know, I struggle with. I still do struggle with it's, but it's something I do a lot better than, you know, um, I throw my wife under the bus here, but she's pretty bad at, you know, like the whole forgiveness thing and, um, just kind of living in the moment. And it's something I've gotten a lot better at just, you know, for my experiences and, you know, something will happen. I'm just like, eh, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't control anything other than me. Mm-hmm. So is it really worth me being pissed off that, you know, they did X, Y, Z? And I'm like, no, it's really not. I mean, it just, it doesn't benefit me. It hurts me. So I'm like, I never even thought about it as forgiveness. It was just like, I just didn't care. You know, mm-hmm. it was just me not, giving them power over me but once i read that i was like oh yeah that it's it's me forgiving them and moving on from it. Mm-hmm. and that's it's what important. you have to do it's important super important and it's 
it's not my i'm not god so it's not my job to judge people yep absolutely. do i absolutely <laughs> you know i can tell you right now if i see some guy with his pants around his knees with a belt on i'm gonna judge him for sure because i'm like for sure. what the hell's the point in the belt if you're not gonna wear your pants right but then it's like you know what that's how he wants to wear it. it's a fashion statement good for him at that point it's an accessory and it's not a utility <laughs> true yeah, exactly <laughs> or hey maybe it's trying to make sure it just doesn't go all the way off like the yeah, I mean, yeah. he's just all about perception that. at that point fellas you gotta you gotta <laughs> look at the situation and be able to go from practicality and perception and figure out what the balance there and then come to your own formulated conclusion For and move sure. on with your life quit judging yeah. people there damn you <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm still gonna do it. I you know I have to. I'm gonna do better about not doing it all the time. But there's still times where you know it's like, just question uh, it. Don't judge it. Just question it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for you. Is that the guy. same thing? That's still judgment, isn't it? Bitch, it's perception. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> if I word it different, it's not judgment. Quit being a dick. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm here for, though. Don't judge me. Well, you know, I do what I can. But there's uh, so many things in your book, and I think the a good way to kind of wrap up that that session of a portion of it uh, will be kind of jump towards uh, the end of the book. So we're not giving everything away, um, but just kind of one of your last uh, outlooks that uh, I've gotten through, and that's living life and actually enjoying it. And how do you do that? How do you recommend other people do that? Yeah. So right now, actually, I'm in the process of writing a book, another book right now. Um, and this book's called the, the Healing Journey. Um, and awesome. you know what? What? What I've what I've identified is that the only moment we have is this moment right now. And so if the the secret sauce in life is to be present in this moment right now. Because here's the thing is that depression is this it's this beautiful, amazing thing that we call being stuck in the past. Right. So we're stuck in all of our previous things on all the shit that's come up and happened to us. And the flip side of that is anxiety and anxiety. That's being stuck in the future. So we're stuck in the future thinking about what's going to happen and how this is going to happen. Right. And so when you're stuck in the past or stuck in the present, you're not in the moment. And when you're not in the moment, you're missing it. You're missing life. Like. Right now, this moment that we're in right now, it's the only one we have. I can't change what happened yesterday, right? And I can minimally affect right now in this moment what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, I can start to have things set up to where if I'm in a head in a certain direction, yes, I can can, uh, make things happen in the future, right? But at the end of the day, the only thing I can do is the thing that I'm doing right now, right? And so if you can be present in every single moment in your life and not be thinking about all the stuff in the past and all the stuff in the future, and you can just be doing the thing that you're doing right now, that's where the secret in life is, right? And so do everything intentionally right now. And so when I wake up, I do my breath work and I do all my things. I have a two-hour morning routine that I go through, faith, you know, not faithfully, but most days, most days, more often than not, I do that thing, right? And I'm just being present in my moment, being present right now and just enjoying what I have, enjoying my ability to breathe, enjoy my ability to meditate, enjoying my ability to sit on a cold shower and feel the water, be 
beat down on me. Like when you start to be present in those moments, man, you, you, I guarantee you life will change for you. Right. And things will start to happen slowly, but surely they will happen. Right. Um, aside from all of that stuff, what are some, what are some of the things that you do for just Nick? What are, what are some things that Nick does for just Nick for your, not only your mental health, but your physical health and to that you don't, you don't have to share with your wife and your kids. It's just Nick's. Yeah. So my morning routine, man, that's my jam. I have two more, two hours every morning where it is, it is a hundred percent me. Um, so I have, well, it, the first thing I do is I wake up and I read the Bible to my wife. Uh, and then I go right into my, into my jam. And so I do, uh, I do 20 minutes of breath work. Um, first thing right after that, from there I go and I do a workout. Uh, you know, I get some weights, some, uh, get, I get in the gym and then I sit in the sauna and while I'm sitting in the sauna, I listen to sound meditation, um, a 3d sound meditation. So I do that about 30 minutes and then I hop out and I do a cold shower. And then I'm really, I'm ready to go out and seize the day. I'm ready to kick some ass. And another thing I do is I do, um, often I take solo trips, um, for men's work. And so mm-hmm. I, I'll go and do, uh, I'll go and do, um, if you're familiar with, um, like the mankind project, I do some work that's similar to the mankind project of, uh, some internal work. So I, I'll do those things. Um, I generally, I'll go at least once a quarter to do work, um, without my family, just me to feel me and, and really uh, dive into what's going on, what's going on in here and, and finding, you know, finding this thing, finding the heart inside me. Right. And this is the support system behind you. They're good with all of that. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Because here's the thing is that my wife recognizes and, and realizes that uh, when I'm the best version of myself, I show up way better for everybody else in the family. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. So you're in Colorado, right? Yeah. So have you heard of uh, the Crucible Project? Yep. That's actually part of that's what I do. Uh, that's what I was going to ask, brother. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was say yep. I got I got the opportunity to go with my brother and my dad, and it was one of the most incredible things I've gotten the opportunity to do. So, I mean, bro, pitch away right now. <laughs> this would be a great time to pitch that out there, man. Yeah, the Crucible Project is, uh, man, it's 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 uh, just really dives into it's some deep men's work into just finding your shadow. And so when we go through life, we uh, when we're a little boy or we, um, we gather up all these negative beliefs and stuff from our dad or from, you know, trauma as we're a child. And we carry that shadow with us our entire life. Um, and so w- when you get to, you, you know, when you get up there and you're getting older, you realize and notice like, man, the shadow has been following me my entire life and it's been serving me and it's been uh you know protecting me my entire life but i i don't need that i don't need that protection anymore like it's okay i can i can do these things now and, and i can let these things go and so it's uh working working on the trauma that you received as, as a child really is the groundwork of it and it's uh it just really helps you just um you know and then you got you can go into some second level weekends that can really help you understand like you know uh, mission and purpose and sexuality and all these things that, um, that men have troubles with. So that's been a huge part of my life and a huge part of my awakening is just going and doing my own internal work and realizing and noticing uh, the things that are alive in me and just, um, recognizing like, man, a lot of my stuff that I put on other people is, it's actually me, right. It's actually me. Yeah. I knew I, I knew I was picking up on some like crucible esque uh, <laughs> habits 
even though the first rule of crucible is we don't talk about what happens at crucible yeah the second rule of crucible is we don't talk about what happens at crucible uh, so so i won't talk about what happened at crucible but i will say it was an amazing uh adventure and and i gotta just i can't be thankful for it enough it was really a incredible journey for me and i've really got to try to find my way back to helping out with that too i think that would do me a world of good right now honestly where i'm at in my life so uh, mission and purpose weekend man with that mission and purpose weekend if you haven't done that one that one's what's up i just got oh yeah i uh, i gained i gained my name i i I, uh, added added something to my name and so i'm the wise teddy bear the wise yeah man that's where that grade comes in dude the wise you, you yeah, really... I was the, I'm the towering Malamute. All right, I like it. I like it. After like uh, it. my dog. Okay, sweet. Because he cool. is a uh, he is a Malamute husky mix, and he's as uh, tall as I am. Like when he lays on me, he covers all of me, and he is just my little teddy bear, my polar bear. I cuddle with him. Sweet. So I got a kick out of it. But I had fun with it. It was fun coming up with the names, you know. Yeah, for sure, absolutely, absolutely. Gabe's my brown bear, actually. I don't yes. know when you came up with that, dude. I've been <laughs> calling him that since the Marine Corps, and that was—I don't know what—I don't know where I came up with any of that either. I just called everyone. I don't know what you came up bear. with bear. I know you came up with brown because I'm Mexican, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember what, where the bear came from. I, honestly, I just... You were my brown bear, you know? I think brown bear was a lot nicer than my brown Mexican. Come here. Yeah, that sounds bear. better, doesn't it? It just sounded a little less suspect when you shout that out across the ASP. Yeah, it's <laughs> way less racist, I think. <laughs> it's so way less I racist. I didn't want to be racist. Was, you're my brown bear. It's because you're cuddly. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Because they had brown bear, little bear, a couple bears. I had a couple bears. wasn't. But it is what it is. Uh, I did want to ask this before you got uh, before we got done here, because uh, I thought this would be a kick. Because uh, I've I've had some good calls. What was your like craziest, weirdest call? Hmm. Hmm. Man, there's been so many. Like funny side or like. Yeah, it's still funny. Personally, for you, like the one that like just would be unbelievable in any story that you tell, it's unbelievable. Hmm. Well, there's so many, dude. I mean, this is my this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one. I was working up in the mountains, and uh, we went on this call, and it was uh, it was fire alarm, and so we you know standard fire alarm. You go to the fire panel. um, The officers stay at the fire panel. Firefighters go up to wherever the smoke smoke detector has gone off. Right. So we go to the fire panel. It's like, okay, go to this, whatever room it was. It's like on the third floor or something. So we go to this room, knock on the door. Um, and it's this room full of women. Okay. And they're having a bachelorette party. And as soon as I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like standing, I don't know, five, five foot back as my partner knocks on the door and they open it. And the first thing I hear is the strippers are here. <laughs> <laughs> and they start to like try to dance with him and start to button his his, his bunker gear and i'm like what the fuck is going on right now <laughs> i walk in okay 
and uh, they were cooking pizza, and they had burnt the pizza and set the smoke detector off. And, I got, and I'm like, I'm, I mean, I'm just laughing my ass off. I'm like, ladies, ladies, I appreciate what you're doing, but you see that that pizza in the oven? You see that smoke detector that's got a little, little red light on? Yeah, you guys totally set that thing off. We're actually really with the fire department. They were like, oh, my gosh, you're so sorry. I was like, oh, my God, you can't make this shit up. Like, you, you no, legitimately can't. No, you really can't. You can't. Like it was. Ah, I was laughing my ass off. That's a for real story right there. Yeah, that is funny as hell, man. Yeah, that's. that's, that's I love those. I I think my favorite. I was thinking about this while you were, when when you were like, there's so many. I was like, yeah, there really was. And I was like, what was what would be my favorite? And it was like just a really small thing. It stuck with me because I love my little old ladies, man they were my favorite like they just cracked me up and we go on a call for a lift assist like you do because you know every old lady on earth is gonna fall at some point they're gonna call the fire department and i've never thought about like the stuff you see in movies where it's funny and you that doesn't happen but i go in we i was in charge of that call and this little old lady's on the floor in her kitchen. And I sat there and I was like, hey, how are you doing? You know, can you tell me what happened? She goes, oh, I just fell down. It's not a big deal. It's like, you know, are you having any neck pain, anything like that? She said, no. I said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I said, I'm going to come up behind you. I'm going to grab your wrist and I'm going to lift you up. Okay. And she goes, well, honey, you can grab me by the boobies if you want to. And I just stopped, and I was I, like, I didn't know what, what you to did say. It, didn't and I you? said, "You did it, didn't you?" No, I said, "No, I said, <laughs> I said, uh, no, ma'am. I think I'll just do it my way." I said, uh, "Not, not a big deal, though, you know." So I, so I grab her wrist, I help her up, uh, I get her to sign our form, and as I'm walking out, this old lady smacks me on the ass. Oh man! And was like, "Until next time." And uh, I was just like, what the fuck just happened? And I go out to the unit. I was just, that stuck with me, man. I got a kick out of it. I love that lady. I ended up seeing her again uh, in the nursing home. but And she was still funny as hell. I love that lady. She she was great. I think she fell on purpose. Yeah, Yeah, I think so, too. How many more times did you get called out to that one, dude? (laughs) At her house? I didn't get called back to the house, but I did end up seeing her again. She was funny as hell then too. She uh, was your you, she, she was, was your cussing. Tuesday and Thursday regular, huh? Yeah, I loved her. She was great, man. <laughs> well, that's too funny. Like, yeah, I just I got a kick out of it. But I yeah, I had to ask you that because I just I was thinking about some of my times and I was like, I bet he's got some good stories to tell, man. Uh, For sure. For sure. So outside the fire service, because then we focused on that, what advice do you have for like just everyone else, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, my big thing right now is just that you're you're not alone. Like in life, we walk through life and we think that uh, we're alone in our suffering and our pain. And, um, you know, we think that we're the only ones that are going through these things. And I'm here to tell you, like, you know, pain is pain. Um, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay that you're you're struggling. It's okay that you have all these feelings and emotions, and just be reminded be reminded that you're not alone. And there's power in vulnerability. 
right? We, we go through life and, and we don't, we're, we're never vulnerable because we're afraid we're going to get hurt or somebody's going to use it against us or all these things. And, and I'm here to tell you, the more vulnerable you are, the more real and raw vulnerable connections you get in your life, the better life's going to be. And it, it might be scary and it might be, you know, it might, it might not feel right at first, but once you, once you start to dive into it, because here's the thing that I've learned, the, the most, one of the most important things that I've known that, that I've learned is that if I am fully known, I can feel no shame, right? Because if you fully know who I am as a man, then I'm not going to feel shame, right? Because what you think of me is none of my business. And honestly, I don't give a shit. Like legitimately, I don't fucking care what you think about me. Right. And when you live your life like that and you're just real and raw and vulnerable and true, life's so much better. So much better. Absolutely. I think that's a great lesson for everyone to learn. Which is for a sure. solid takeaway for sure. Sweet. All right. Gabe, what do you got, brother? What do I got? I got you know what? I like I like what uh what Nick was talking about, kind of uh working on yourself, taking taking some time in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon for yourself, and then dedicating uh certain periods of, of time, weekends, to build on that in a more expanded manner. Uh, I think everybody everybody needs that and they need to continually work on themselves to make sure that they stay the best version of them that they can. Um, by using tools that other people can bring to the picture and in that facet. So thanks for sharing those. Yeah, for sure. Those ideas and those stories and and those places that people can, can attend and go to. Yeah. Thanks for giving me the, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys having me and give me the opportunity to share, man. That's what I, that's where my passion is. The more people I can share with and and, uh, spread the word, like the more people we can help, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been just an incredible hour and some time. And the only reason I'm cutting it off is because I know most people have lives uh, like Nick and uh, like Gabe. Uh, and I think we have a ton more that we need to talk about. And I would love to bring you back here in the future. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'd love that. Especially as you're writing this new book. Um, I think that'll be incredible. I'm Now I'm really pumped to get that new book once you get that sucker done. So uh again i don't think i can plug it enough get his book building grit with nick wingo uh fighting the fires of ptsd and uh he has his website nickwingo.com go there check it out it'll kind of give you the links to everything i think uh now i've got to get my own signed copy of the book now that i've uh gotten to meet you and talk to you because i absolutely love it i need the collector's edition and I need to get me a hat like that. That's a badass yeah. hat. It's all on the website, bro. Yeah, I, I got you, man. You guys send me your address. I'll send you a hat and a book. Oh, fuck, um, man. Well, we appreciate no, it. That'd you be s- incredible. Once you send the address. I'll pay you for sure. You just let you send me the book and a hat, and you tell me what I owe you. Just you you already you, you pay it for it, brother. That's the way it works. Hey, well, we I got, think we can handle that. We got hats and, and hoodies here. Give me your hoodie size and we'll send you a hoodie and a hat. All right, I like it. I'm Hell yeah. Up. Our never broken merchandise that we're going to try to be getting out here uh, in the near yeah, future. Uh, like and it. if you didn't know, Nick, that's uh, kind of our 
initial project is never broken not forever broken uh oh, the podcast yeah. forever broken because never broken was taken and uh we always like i like the idea that uh you know people are gonna label us broke i'm just gonna own it you know we're gonna embrace it we're gonna forever be forever broken i like it i like it I so I think that's just a great way to wrap up the podcast. It's been incredible having you, Nick. Thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you here. I'll be uh, shooting you messages and trying to keep up with you uh, just in life and as things are going on and keep me up to date with what's going on with you. And uh, we'll try to do the same, man. I really do appreciate it. And like I said, uh, I'm 100% counting on having you back. I appreciate it. I look forward to it. Yeah, hey man, keep us posted on that book, on that second book, and we'll, we'll work around that schedule and we'll let you get back on here um, and, and plug book number two. And we can talk about that one as well. Sounds good. I look forward yeah, to it. If, if you right, want, Nick, I'm sure my brother would love to come on here with you and uh, pick your brain as well, too. Because he's a multi guest. Yeah, like he, that'd be a good one, wouldn't it? And we, we could just back out. Those two could run it. <laughs> yeah, I know. They got this. I'm on, I'm about it. Like I just like to sit back and listen. Sweet. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. But I appreciate it, Nick. Uh, until next time, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate having Nick here. Go check out his stuff and uh, hit us up on the Instagrams, Facebook, uh, all that social media stuff. Uh, give us a five star review, a like, uh, whatever you want to give us. Uh, hopefully, another one star review. But uh, I'm not going to judge you. That's my lesson that I learned today. <laughs> so thank you, you guys. Until next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll just be <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> Until next time, I'm going to hit that sweet, sweet outro music. Thank you guys so much. <laughs>